Lisa Bonos. Welcome to Soloish, a Washington Post podcast about being unmarried but far from alone. Today, we're going to talk about dating and deal breaking. To do that, I brought in two very special guests. First off is a friend of mine, Esteban Hernandez. Hi, I'm Esteban. I'm almost 40 years old. I've been living in D.C. for 22 years. Yikes. Um, I'm a Cancer, and I'm looking for someone who's a water sign. No, just kidding. But I would like to date someone who's <laughs> professional and interesting and can spend time with me. Oh, thanks, Esteban. And Amanda? Hey, my name is Amanda. I am 27, uh, and I've been in D.C. for the last six years, working with Lisa just for the last year. Um, I have been doing... I've been in a couple of long-term relationships, and now I'm doing some dating. Uh, Woohoo! Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's it hard. <laughs> Amanda, we talk about we end up talking about dating and good and bad dates we go on, sort of on a weekly basis. It's a lot of fun. And when you mentioned that you wanted to talk about deal breakers in a podcast, I was a little bit surprised because you're so nice and averse to confrontation, but. Tell me about it. What is great about a, a deal breaker? Well, the truth is that, uh, you know, as I've done more dating as opposed to being in a relationship, mm-hmm. uh, I've sort of seen that there are things that I can identify pretty quickly that I do and don't like. Um, and I'm a sort of conflict-averse person, so having this sort of, like, quick, easy way to screen people out and not have to date them or, like, break up with them has been sort of great for me. So what would, like, a few of those quick, easy things be? Uh, I don't like people who can't name a favorite book. Ooh. This makes me sound very shallow. No, it it actually, <laughs> no. I think it makes those people sound pretty stupid. Someone with bad manners, that's a pretty quick, easy thing that you can knock out right away. Yeah. Or people who don't ask any questions on a Oof. I was just thinking of that. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> I know. I mean, we're both journalists, so I feel like very easy to ask questions. And you can be asking a lot of questions, and then people like don't even ask you a question back, and you're like, well... My take on what's going on in Syria is X. <laughs> like, thanks for asking. <laughs> okay, maybe that's not what we're talking about on dates, or if they are, it's pretty boring. No, but it's so true. It's so uncomfortable, and you're like, should I answer the question you haven't asked? <laughs> I, I could. By the way, I have a brother. You didn't ask, right. but like, you just told me about your siblings, and so here's my situation. Yeah. yeah. Now, Esteban, Amanda and I are both straight women. And I want to get a male perspective on deal breakers. In your opinion, are gay daters more petty or less petty than straight ones? It's hard for me to compare, um, but I would say that gay men are a lot more focused on the body and the mm. image and the look. Um, that's a stereotype, and stereotypes exist kind of for a reason. They're largely true. I uh, I know that on, on a lot of dating profiles, there are people who say, like, gym bodies only. I'm looking for someone mm. with abs. I'm looking for someone with a certain look. Um, I don't think I could survive in that. I don't think I can survive in that, which makes dating a little bit more difficult. And actually, it has, I sort of... You have a great body, by the way. That's really nice of you to say. It's a good thing this is a podcast. Um, (laughs) One of the things that I look for now is if I see someone who's body obsessed, I sort of like preeminently Mm -hmm. deal break that. Mm -hmm. I won't even respond to someone who clearly spends five days, you know, five days a week and, you know, three hours every time he goes at the gym. For one reason, he's focused on something that I'm not going to be focused on, and it's just not me. For two, I like someone who's able to spend some time with me. If you're spending all your time at the gym, what kind of time, you know, after work and sleep and seeing friends and whatever, like... You you don't want to work out with someone together? Right. And, you know, that works for a lot of people. I'm not not saying it's a bad thing, but that's certainly deal-breaker enough for me that I'm not super into it. I mean, there, there are other extremes, too. I'm sure if I saw someone who's, like 
his only interest is sort of putting pie in his face. I love pie, but it can't be, <laughs> can't be something that's like every day. So you know, somewhere... There has to be a balance. And I think that's, you know, like I said earlier, one of the things that I've sort of realized about myself as I've gotten older is that what I need is someone who's balanced yeah. like I am, not necessarily, you know, one extreme or the other. There's not there's not a deal breaker if you go too far like one way it's just sort of like are you somewhere near where I am so that you can fit your lives together right because because ultimately that's what we're all looking for, exactly right? someone to fit our lives to yeah it's interesting though the idea that like you think in profiles there's like these sort of explicit articulations of deal breakers whereas I feel like I feel like straight men are also more interested in appearance than straight women yeah but I feel like you would never see in a profile like large chested woman only because <laughs> that's just like not societally acceptable yeah so it's interesting that um that gay men sort of it, is it like it's we, acceptable to be that focused on image i think uh, you know it depends on who you ask uh, certainly a lot of my friends are like oh god he's looking for mask musk only how ridiculous you know ha 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 but at the same time i'm sure there's subsets of guys who i don't even know because mm-hmm. they're not looking in my direction um who are you know, who only look at the guy with the eight-pack abs and the, like, chiseled jaw and whatever, which is totally fine because if that's what you have to offer and that's what you're looking for, then great. But at the same time, again, if I see these guys anywhere, I'm probably going to rule that out. Um, And I also think it's different how you meet someone. I mean, if you're looking at an online profile, I feel like you can say things like, you know, mask, musk, eight pack, you know, whatever it is that you're, or, you know, the other way, only bears, only, you know, big guys, whatever it is, whatever yeah. your jam is, whatever you're looking for. Whereas when you meet someone through friends, when you meet someone at a bar, when you meet someone at, you know, some social event, it's, I think people are a little bit more open because it's hard to immediately shut someone down to their face. Well, you're also seeing the whole person versus just these characteristics and photos. Exactly. So if a deal worker is coming up with someone, do you do you kind of tell them this is a non-negotiable point? No. no. <laughs> you don't tell them you're getting deal not. broken up with. Uh, no, but I think um, it sort of helps me to be able to sort of like frame what I do and don't want and to feel like Got I it. can have a position on someone. It's also nice okay. to be able to discriminate like that first date. If somebody asks you out, but you know he's a three-pack-a-day smoker, you can probably say like, oh, I'm really busy that week. I'm washing my hair the whole time. You don't say, I'm sorry, I don't date smokers? I, I guess it depends on the context. I mean, it like, if he's someone who's introduced to me through a friend, then mm-hmm. maybe I try to be a little bit more circumspect about it. If he's someone who's, like, you know, got an OK Cupid, Cupid, okay Cupid profile, then, like, if I see that he's a smoker and he yeah. asks me out, I'll sort of flat out, like, sorry, I don't date smokers. Yeah. What other jailbreakers do you guys have? I can start. I... It's not a very popular opinion, but I don't like dogs very much or animals at all. Partly because I'm allergic to a lot of dogs, like small ones, sometimes okay. And I just think cats are lazy and a waste of space. And Esteban, you can yell at me for that one. I have a cat and it is lazy (laughs) and a waste of space, but I love it anyway. Um, So if I see a guy's profile that's full of, you know, half the pictures are with his dog and there's mention of what a dog person he is, I I know we're probably not going to hit it off. But... I'm curious about yours, Amanda. So I am not uh, the fussiest person when it comes to my appearance. And I really Mm. think I would have a lot of trouble dating someone who, like, wanted to spend a lot of time, like, with their hair. Yeah. I can't even think of what they might spend their time on. It's how unfussy (laughs) I am. And then I also think I would not like to date someone who didn't like food. Uh, Like, I once dated someone who was opposed to eating cheese of any kind. 
not because <laughs> he was lactose intolerant. No, he, what, he said he was intolerant of lactose. Um, <laughs> <not> <laughs> lactose intolerant. Like lactose, he was morally opposed to it. He, yeah, he like just like didn't hadn't tried it since he was five, didn't like it. Okay. Uh, and it was like really frustrating to go out, and it made me think all kinds of not so nice things about him, like that he was small minded, <laughs> and maybe those were true. But I think like people who are open to new experiences. Like, finding ways to figure out how to sort for those is, is important to me. What about cheesy jokes? Would that be okay? Oh, my God. Cheesy jokes are the best. <laughs> I would have <laughs> no friends if it weren't for cheesy jokes. I mean, that's pretty much the reason we're friends, Stavon. Pretty much. So there are those early deal breakers, like, you know, maybe that first date or the second date isn't going to work. But uh, the, the word deal breaker to me also kind of means that you're close, that there is some sort of deal to be broken. I feel like I've had a lot of breakers. As in, oh, the attraction is just not there on one side or the other, or distance is going to make it too difficult, or um, what was it? Life goals. <laughs> oh, yeah. They were just like in two different places, you know, the, we were just in two different places in our lives. Um, but so there's something about the deal breaker that's like inherently petty or that senses that you're, you're, you're close to something. I mean, I do feel like there's a sort of specificity to a deal breaker. It can't just be like... We drifted apart. Yeah. Even if you end up breaking up, right? That's not like a deal breaker. It has yeah. to be something specific. And like sometimes the fact that it's specific, I think, makes it feel small or petty, even though it could be something really crucial. Like, I don't want kids, right? I think that's yeah. a deal breaker. No, I honestly, like, when I think about deal breakers, I think about like sort of the first initial impressions, and you're like, eh, not so much. When you've been with someone for a couple of years and you've worked on your deals for a long time and there's still, like, that one thing that you can't agree on, like, yeah, it's a deal breaker, but it's, like, a lot deeper than that. What do you mean? So I guess I have trouble thinking about my own deal breakers because I haven't been in a relationship in a really long time. And I'm like, huh, when has a deal breaker come up other than, like, a – first or second date. Um, so I don't know. Have you had a deal breaker end a, a real cemented relationship ever? I suppose depending on what you consider a deal breaker, um, one of my relationships, one of my recent relationships ended because he wanted to move to California. Mm-hmm. And I own a house and I have a job and there is no way that we could move to California feasibly and like have the money work out for us. Like um, imminently wanted to move or? Relatively soon. I mean, I th- actually, I thought it was more imminent than it turns out to have okay. been. I, he couldn't afford to take me with him. I mean, if he could afford to take me with me, I can be bought. I have no problem <laughs> with that. But, you know, and I think that's the case in a lot of relationships where ultimately money and direction becomes a deal breaker. But does that is that that doesn't seem petty. That seems pretty serious. And to me, a deal breaker yeah. sounds kind of petty. Like I was telling Amanda earlier, I used to have a list of stupid things when I was 17. What was on the list? Uh, if the guy wore Old Navy, he was Oh, these, you had a right. list not of what you were looking for, but I had of a things list of that... deal breakers. Huh, I a, interesting. I mean, it was sort of like one versus the other, right? Yeah. Like somebody who wore Banana Republic, yay. <laughs> Old Navy, not so much. Like, so deal was, makers and deal breakers. Right, but it was, I mean, I don't have the list anymore. Thankfully, I probably set fire to it like I should have. I wish you had it because then we could I kind of wish I did away. too for this reason only. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, there was just a lot of like stupid little things. But once you once you get in the business of dating, once you like start getting to know people, then the deal breakers become less deal breakery and more well. This is how our relationship yeah. has evolved. Do you either of you feel like you you know things that were deal breakers when you were young have just sort of dissipated or are not a big deal anymore? I think I've gotten pickier. Really? Not about superficial things, but like important things. 
right now I wouldn't date someone who had a completely different schedule for me, for example, like, a, you know, a bartender, someone who worked at a yeah. restaurant or something like that. But you've done that before. I have done that before. and It was really difficult. Yeah. And now I know that I don't want to do that anymore. What about you, Amanda? I think I have gotten similar to you. Like, there were things that I thought I wanted at 17, 19 that, like, aren't important anymore, but that I'm still more particular about who I will and won't date than I used to be. Okay. But, like... If so, if you were seventeen or nineteen and you were with somebody who didn't want kids, maybe at that age it wouldn't have right. been an issue. But but now, like when you and I think like a lot of deal breakers come from experience in relationships. Like I don't want to go down this failed path again. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, I think though, knowing what our deal breakers are and knowing what our failed paths are, like we know how to make better choices going forward. I know that like at well, hopefully, I know that like sort of my most recent relationship like was really good until mm-hmm. we hit the ultimate deal breaker but mm-hmm. at least I knew like what I was looking for and I knew like certain things that weren't going to work and like I could have ruled those out immediately I went on a couple of dates um, with someone who was a recovering drug addict mm-hmm. and while I think that's great and I'm glad that he's on a life path I also know that that's not going to work for me I mean it's it's just not something I can deal with so after about two dates I was like eh, you know you're a really nice guy I'd love to stay friends but yeah. I can't have a relationship with you and I feel like that gets at something because I feel like the deal breakers are kind of people have a negative idea about them. Like someone who has a deal breaker is therefore rigid and like yeah. sort of not open to experiences. But I think like actually they're probably very important. Like they probably make us better daters. Yeah. I mean, I was we're going to talk to Amanda Hess in a minute who edited a deal breakers column for Good Magazine a while back. And I was struck with how many deal breakers are essentially not about the other person, but about what the person who has said deal breaker, um, what they're willing to put up with in a relationship and kind of like what kind of person they want to be. Thanks for coming on, Amanda and Esteban. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Lisa. Amanda Erickson is still in the studio with me, and we're going to invite another Amanda on the line, Amanda Hess, who writes about internet culture for Slate and used to edit the Deal Breakers column for Good Magazine back in 2011 and 2012. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks for having me. So I love the tagline for that column is in our Deal Breakers series, X's report on the habit, belief, or boxer brief that ended the affair. I'm wondering, what surprised you about other people's Deal Breakers when they wrote about them, and what made absolute sense to you? I guess the thing that surprised me in a frustrating way as I kept editing the column is that so many deal breakers are incredibly similar. Like one deal breaker was she's a bro. It was about how this girl that he was dating had like a very mainstream aesthetic. And then I commissioned another story by a writer named Alan Hansen that was like the same situation, I guess I got like the writers in my circle were sort of like all turn of bros. Mm. Um, but what we tried to do with it was have the deal breaker be like the conceit that would open you into the column and then have people sort of learn something different about themselves mm-hmm. um, based on how the relationship went. And did you feel like... Um... You know, because people were like writing columns and sort of going to be kind of public about their deal breakers, that they tried to choose things that were really substantial? Or did you ever see sort of like less significant deal breakers um, that were still really important to a particular person? 
so one of the sort of like lies of the column, and now I feel sort of bad about it looking back, <laughs> is that if you read all those deal breakers, that's not like, that tends to not be the most important thing to that human being. Uh, in yeah. the way that you, I think, usually think of deal breakers, uh, it was just something that was like a new angle for the column where they could write about a relationship. Um, but most of the men who did it, I don't think had ever written about their relationships before. Whereas I commissioned a lot of women who had done like some personal essays and, and sex and gender writing before. Do you feel like every relationship that ends sort of has like a deal breaker, like has the sort of defining thing that ended it? Or do you feel like there's something like specific you're talking about when you're talking about a deal breaker? I don't think deal breakers are really a real thing. I'm <laughs> actually, I think a deal breaker is like a really helpful way to think about why a relationship ended when really, you know, most relationships end. And I think most of them don't and for a reason that's really within our control. Yeah. Um, so, you know, thinking back on a relationship, I think this is why um, relationships make such easy fodder for personal essays is that there's this clear narrative to them. There's a beginning, a middle, and then an end. And I think the deal breaker gives us a kind of sense of control Hmm. over the end of a relationship and yeah. helps us think about what our values are and what we might want to look for in our next relationship. But I think it's more of like a narrative conceit that people use, which I think is fine. I think we do that in, in so many parts of our lives. Um, but I think it tends to be more helpful for processing a relationship than really figuring out who you're compatible with. Yeah, I I noticed that in just reading some of the columns yesterday and it was a beautiful day out and I just wanted to sit and read about other people's relationships. Um, but it, it seemed that a lot of the deal breakers are rarely about the other person, but in some way your own deal breaker is kind of about your yourself, whether that's who you want to be when you're in a relationship or what kind of relationship you want to be in. You know, I was struck by, there were a few about animals, a woman who, um, who had a cat and her boyfriend was allergic to cats and they couldn't get over it. Um, one by a woman who wrote about her boyfriend who didn't give compliments and that, that that eventually became a problem. But I was also struck by how for a lot of them, it would, the deal breaker was a problem that was present all along. It just got to a breaking point where they were like, I can't handle this anymore. I don't. Does that feel right? Yes. I think they're, I mean, it's interesting. Like when you're editing a column like that, um, you're asking writers to be really vulnerable about themselves, but mm -hmm. they're also revealing like really intimate things about another person yeah. who has like no control over the process. Yeah. Um, and I think partly for that reason, we really wanted to focus more on the experience of the person who uh, was writing the thing. And also like, I really tried to force them to blame themselves, I hmm, guess is the easiest way to put it. Um, instead of, you know, I didn't want to publish a, you know, a screed against yeah. some random person. A complaint, uh, a, a lot right. of complaints about somebody who didn't get a say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually one of the things that I would have loved to have done and never got the chance to do was to publish two from the same couple. Hmm. 
um, from different uh, perspectives. Uh, I think like there were probably a few that we published that um, it was as if they were kind of writing about each other because they were in different roles. Um, but I never got the chance to do the couple, which would have been so interesting. Deal breakers, I feel like, are sort of the ideas that they're sort of like we come up with them and then we break them all the time. Do you can you think of experiences or times when when a deal breaker has vanished or like and when that happens, like what do you think is going on? I mean, I guess all relationships are about compromise, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm trying to think if you know. I think there were some cases in the column that I edited where when people sort of realized what their deal breaker was, they felt bad about it. And I think that's probably for many of those people, like those specifically the really aesthetic deal breakers have sort of fallen away as people have gotten a little bit older. Yeah. I know. Um, I noticed that a lot of the columns weren't focused on aesthetics and I was like, I was impressed by that. <laughs> yeah, I actually, so this was a gender split that I noticed um, when I was editing the column, which was women who were writing the column tended to write more in sort of a political sense. Mm-hmm. So they would situate their um, relationship breakup like in a, a kind of feminist lens, hmm. um, which I tried to discourage people from, not because I'm not a feminist, but because I didn't want every column to be like exactly the same. Yeah. So I tried, I had to sort of force them to um, think more personally about it. Um, and for the men, like almost without fail, I had to ask them, what did you like about this woman other than the way that she looks? Wow. Because I know, and like many of the men who wrote for me are mm-hmm. friends of mine who I know mm-hmm. respect women, but I yeah. think they're, especially for men who don't have a lot of experience writing about relationships, I think there's like this really strong cultural script where when they see men writing about women, in a romantic or a sexual sense, it's so focused on their looks. Uh, and that was fine uh, for some of the descriptors, but yeah. I, I needed like them to say what they liked about these people other than that. Uh, so that was a really interesting experience for me. Well, thanks for trying to flip that script a little bit. Cause Just a little bit. I think we're going to have to wrap it up. Thanks so much for chatting with us. Yeah, thanks yeah, so much, thanks Amanda. for having me. This has been fun. Thanks so much to Amanda Erickson, Esteban Hernandez, and Amanda Hess for talking deal breakers. Let's keep the conversation going on Twitter. Tweet your deal breakers to me at Lisa Bonos, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. <laughs>